And we managed to get through 11 verses in our first three classes. That's pretty good. So we're continuing now with verse 12 of chapter 1 of Deuteronomy. And Moshe continues his speech, his rebuke of the Jewish people, uh, telling them the mistakes they've made in the past so that they don't make them in the future. So what does he say? Verse 12. So Moshe had said, how can I bear your trouble, your burden, your strife all by myself? And Rashi will tell us that even if he had chosen to do so of his own free will to receive reward for taking such a difficult job, he couldn't do that because it was God who instructed him you have to delegate this job of the of judging the people. Now, Rashi gives us detail and how difficult some of the Jewish people were. Torchachem, Rashi says that they were troublesome, and, and especially when it came to court cases. So, for example, if one person would see, one litigant would see that his fellow litigant is going, his opponent is, is winning the case, he would say, oh, wait, 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 I've got witnesses to bring, even though he didn't really have. Or he'd say, I have proofs to bring evidence, even though he didn't really have. Or he says, I want to add judges to the court. So they made things difficult. This is even worse, that they, they had this uh, approach of looking at Moshe, and whatever he did, they interpreted it negatively. So, for example, if Moshe would come out early from his house, he would leave, leave to work early, they would say, why did Ben Amram, Ben Amram means the son of Amram, is kind of a, a um, you know, derogatory way to refer to someone, not by their name, but you know, the son of so-and-so. What did Ben Amram see to leave early today? Maybe things aren't going well in his house. He's probably having fights with his family. And what if he came late? If he came left his house late, they wouldn't say, oh, he must be having a good time at home. No, they interpreted that negatively as well. And they said, oh, he's probably been plotting things against us. That's why he's late. So Moshe is pointing out that the people were not easy to deal with. So what, what does God suggest? And again, this is going back to reviewing what happened with Yisro. That Yisro, his father-in-law, was the one who suggested this. And he goes to God and God says, yes, that's what you should do. And God tells him to have, um, you know, to gather Havalachem Anashim, Prepare for yourselves people, men who are chachamim, who are wise, univonim, understanding, viduim. They are known among your tribes. And, and put, I'll put them as heads over you. Rashi says something very interesting on nivonim. What is it between chacham and navon? So we, we are familiar with chachma and bina, wisdom and understanding. Chachma is the kernel of an idea, and Bina is the extrapolation. But here Rashi says, Nivonim means, Mivinim davar mitoch davar, that you would understand one thing from another, so to be able to extrapolate. And Rashi gives a mushal, a metaphor for this, which he quotes from Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi was asked by Arius about this. He says, what's the difference between a Chacham and an Avon? So he said, a Chacham is like a wealthy money changer who is not that ambitious and so if he has business if people bring him coins he will he'll deal with it but if nobody if he has no customers he just sits and and uh, twiddles his thumbs 
But a Navon is like a, that's like a Chacham. A Chacham, he has the wisdom that he has, and that's it. He doesn't extrapolate upon it. A Navon is, is somebody who is a more ambitious, like a per, more ambitious money changer, that if people, if he has customers, people are bringing him money, then he does business. And if he doesn't have customers, he goes and looks for business. He goes out to seek seek business. And that's a, a Navon. Navon is somebody who is able to apply the ideas that he's learned to other situations. Now Rashi says that these should be people, Moshe, Moshe is saying to the people that I want to choose people that you, the tribes, you recognize them. I don't know these people. I don't know all the Jewish people. And especially the judges, they 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 wrap themselves in the talis. I don't know who they are. I don't know which, which tribe they're from. I don't know if they're good. But you tell me, because they, they these people were grew up among you. So you tell me if these are good good judges. When you do appoint them, they should be birashechem, they should be at your head, meaning you should treat them with awe and respect. Finally, Rashi says, vasimim, I will make them, Rashi points out in the Hebrew that it's missing a yud, and it could also be read, vashamam, their, their guilt is going to be upon these judges. So once we appoint judges, then the guilt, the things that, that happen that are not good, some of that guilt goes on to the judges. Because they have, as Rashi says, because they should have protested any sins that were going on and to guide people in the proper way. If that doesn't happen, then it becomes their guilt. Verse 14 And so you, the Jewish people, you answered me and you said, This thing is good that you said you're going, that, that you want to do. Now, Rashi, this sounds like a good thing, verse 14, and, but this is all rebuke. So how could this be? How is this good? How is this rebuke? It seems like a good thing. The Jewish people are agreeing. Rashi says, no, they shouldn't have agreed so fast. They shouldn't have said, oh, yeah, yeah, we want to hear from, we want to have other judges. They should have at least been polite. Um, but but as we'll see, it was more than not being polite. So the, even the polite thing to say is, no, Moshe, we want you to be our judge. We don't want it to be delegated to others. As Rashi says, Rabbeinu Moshe, our, our teacher Moshe, who is it better to learn from, from you or from your student? Of course, it should be from you. You took great pains over studying, over, over receiving the Torah. As we know, when Moshe went up to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't eat, he didn't drink. So he really paid the price for gaining Torah knowledge. The Jewish people should have said, we want to hear it from you. But Moshe tells them that what was their, why were they excited? In a way, they were a little overeager over a year to have other judges and not Moshe. And the reason for that was the people said, Achshav, Ismano, Elena, Dion, Now we're going to have many judges who don't know us and we will bring them. Um, I'm sorry, Emein Makirino. It's not, it's not if, if they don't know us. If they don't show us favor, we'll bring them a gift, basically a bribe. And then, We'll be able to corrupt the justice. They know that Moshe is not corruptible, but these judges that are going to be appointed, they're hoping we can influence them through bribes. Verse 15. So I took the heads of your, your tribes, Anashim Chachamim Viduim, men who are Chachamim and Yiduim. As Rashi will tell us, we don't see Nivonim is not mentioned. The ones who, who have the ability to extrapolate, as Rashi will tell us, he looked for these qualities, and I believe um, Yisro enumerated seven uh, qualities 
Yeah, Rashi says that there were seven qualities that Yisro suggested when you're looking for judges, they should have these seven qualities. And But Moshe was not able to find people that had all those seven qualities. So he chose the ones with the most important, which are Anashim, Chachamim, Viduim, and made them heads, one for a thousand, one for a hundred, one for fifty, one over, well, one over ten. Vishotrim, Shotrim are the, the policemen, the ones who enforce the law over the tribes. Now, once all that was, um, all that appointments were made, verse 16, I commanded the judges at that time saying, now Rashi is going to say, why does the verse say at that time? Obviously, we're talking about what happened then. Rashi tells us, but Esahi, Mishiminisim Amartilem, after I appointed them, I told them, now things are different for you. Before, you were in your own, you were your own master's, now you are subservient to the community. Now you are servants of the community. You, you, you've entered a different realm in your life. You become public servants. Now, first Rashi, I commanded your judges. I said to them, says Rashi, have a misunim badin. We'll recognize that phrase from Pirkei Avot, Ethics of the Fathers, chapter one. It says, be patient in passing judgment. What does that mean? If a judgment comes before you once, twice, three times, don't say, ah, this is old stories. I know the law in this case and, and just answer flippantly and quickly. Rather, no matter how many times a case comes before you, how you you should discuss it and make sure that you're getting it right. Shomoya, so the verse continues. So I told your judges at that time, Shomoya bein achechem ushvatem tzedek, Listen, here, between your brothers, between your brothers, and you shall judge righteously, between a man and his brother, and his litigant. Rashi will tell us that the difference between, there are different types of court cases, basically. A man and his brother means that this is a peaceful, um, a peaceful court case. In other words, the two P, let's say somebody buys uh, buy your cow and there's a calf that's born and we're not sure, was the calf born before the transaction was completed or after? Who does the calf belong to, the buyer or the seller? So this is not, we're not fighting. We just want to know what is the proper uh, way to, to adjudicate. So that would be between man and his brother when there's a brotherly feeling. Gero Rashi will tell us that the word ger has in it the word to gather. Rashi, let's look at Rashi. Vengeri Zebaldinoi. This is this is his opponent in the lawsuit. Sheoger Alabdvarim. He accumulates, means to gather, to accumulate arguments against him. And then Rashi gives a second interpretation of Gero that it comes from the word to dwell. Um, like Vayagar Sham, he dwelled there. And what does it mean to dwell? That means that they are that there is some some debate or some dispute over dividing an estate, dividing a a residence between brothers, even if it's just between minor things like an oven and a stove. Torah is telling us you have to be, you have to uh, carefully adjudicate each case. Verse seventeen: Do not show favoritism, bamishpat in judgment. Now, I would think that this means, like we've seen in the past. You know, don't show favor to somebody who is prominent, etc. But Rashi interprets it differently. Rashi interprets it to say that when you appoint the judges, do not show favor. So bamishpat in judgment means when you are appointing judges, 
don't show favoritism and say, let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, if you're in charge of appointing judges, don't say this person is handsome or strong. He's over six feet tall. I just added that one. I will make him a judge. This person is my relative. I'll make him a judge in the city. But really, that person is not an expert in the laws. So it turns out by appointing that judge, you are causing the innocent to be made guilty and the guilty to be made innocent. So if you do that, you are showing partiality in judgment. Rather, you shall hear the small just as the great. Now, this also you would interpret, treat everybody equally. And Rashi does give that as a second interpretation. But his first interpretation is that we're not talking about the people. We're talking about the process. And, and what he, Rashi says is we're talking about where one person comes with a very small case. They're arguing over a few dollars. And then you have somebody with a million-dollar case. So don't say, oh, we're going to push aside the small case for the big case. No, kakaton, kagadol. It's a first-come, first-served basis that whoever comes first, whichever case comes first, even if it's only for a dollar, you will adjudicate that case before the big case that it came after it. In fact, Rashi uses the word sheichaviv alecha. It should be as precious to you, the law regarding a small coin, as for a hundred maneh. That if it comes first, you don't push it away. And I think what it sounds like to me is that, in other words, when, when the point is getting it right, that there's justice and, and uh, adjudicating properly, it really doesn't matter how much it is. And that I think it's a, it's a more general message about the law is this, uh, as Rashi says, it should be precious to you, important to you, the, the law, and therefore it wouldn't matter how much it is. It's the, it's the, it's the, um, the principle of the matter. And if you have that right, that guides the rest of your, of your judgment. Um, Rashi gives another interpretation, which is similar to how he said in, in Mishpatim, which is if there's a, a poor man and a rich man who come to who are who, are, who have a dispute, you, you shouldn't say, "Oh, I'm going to, you know, make the poor person win because anyway, I have to support the poor, and this way I'll I'll, I'll give him a um, I'll, I'll rule in his favor." No, you can't do that. Kakaton, kagadol, you go, you go by the justice. No, don't, don't put any other considerations into the matter. And similarly, if there's a prominent person, a rich person, don't say, "Oh, I don't want to shame him in court. I'll, I'll, I'll give him, I'll let him win the case." And then when he goes outside, I'll say, "You know what? You really, were, you really should be the one to pay. So why don't you pay him? But we'll do this outside the court. I don't want to shame you. No, in the court, you always say what is correct. What is correct is correct." Um, I will stop there since we are over time and open it to questions and comments. Anybody question or comment? Let me just, uh, I just was thinking of something, all these rules and were important to, to create a sense of justice and trust by the community. But it all started, I think you were saying at the beginning, and I remember reading this in the Torah, that started with a lot of doubts about Moses. And he's older, I guess, approaching the end of his life. Is he still capable? Was it Aaron and Miriam who really challenged him and rebuked by God and she was punished? And you know, a lot of things happened before this reached this point. And were the people then able to accept this? I mean, this is a lot of tumult and 
upheaval uh, before settling into what should happen with all the laws. I mean, did it settle into something where people accepted this, or was there still some doubt about Moses? Right. So it sounds like, um, right. So, so Moshe is doing a retrospective over here. He's going back in time and talking about what happened in the past. Um, so it's, it's not necessarily a reflection of what's happening now as they're poised to go into the land of Israel. But throughout the story, we've always seen that, yes, they're constantly questioning Moses. And, and you see, I mentioned, I think, yesterday or the day before, that you see kind of a contradictory, almost schizophrenic approach to Moshe, where on the one hand, they're very critical of him, as we had today. They're, they're finding ways to criticize him, whether he comes late or whether he comes early. They always have a negative way to portray it. But at the same time, we also saw the great love that they had for Moshe, um, although we see that later on. But so you said, it's, you could, again, you could always say it's it's different people who had different approaches to Moses. Or you could say, you know, people are complicated. And, you know, I think we, we will have it later in the Parsha where the Jewish people say that God hates us. And that's why he took us out of Egypt. He hates us. And that's why he took us out of Egypt. What are you talking about? He saved you from slavery. But the, the, the reason that they're saying that is because, as Rashi will say, you know, they are projecting because they, on some level, they resent God. Therefore, they think that God resents them and, and hates them. And why would they resent God? Because God is giving them rules. He's curbing their, uh, he said, you can't do this and you can't do that. You have to live your life in a certain way. And so there's, of course, love for God which is that comes naturally to us and that's that's inborn but there's also the ego the animal soul that has its own agenda and and god is getting in the way and so there's a little bit of resentment there or maybe a lot and at the same thing with moses they love moses they know that moses is so special and he's so holy and and everything that he's done that that's that's on one level where there's a great love for moses but on the other hand moshe is the one who keeps them in line he's the sergeant and uh, there's some resentment there as well Thank you. That's good clarification. It's amazing how similar things are thousands of years later. Right. <laughs> People are complicated. <laughs> Bruce. I have a question that doesn't have to do with this tour portion, so I can wait if you prefer. Go ahead. I have a very dear friend who just had a grandson, and uh, this coming Monday is going to be a bris. And he was talking to me about um, a discussion he had with uh, his rabbi. And he said that the rabbi just said that we, he made um, man imperfect on purpose. And I can see a number of ways that, that we're all imperfect, but he was specifically referring to the, to the foreskin. Um, and do you have any thoughts on, on, on that was the foreskin made him perfect on purpose so that we could have the covenant, the circumcision? Yes, I do recall something like that. Um, yeah, so we, 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 we say it every Friday night, not particularly in, in the, regarding the circumcision, but we say, you know, at Yom HaShishi on the sixth day, God completed uh, the heaven and the earth and so forth. And the way the paragraph ends right before you say Bora Piyagafen is Asher bara Elohim La'asot, that God created La'asot, to fix. In other words, God created the world in an imperfect way, uh, leaving so, so that we could be partners in creation. And yes, I believe that the same thing is said 
regarding the physical body that God provides us um, with the opportunity to, to for perfection, to, to create the perfection, not creating us in a perfect way. That refers to Jews and non-Jews alike, then. Well, not necessarily. There's no obligation for for uh, non-Jews to circumcise, particularly a, a law for the Jewish people. Yet it's commonly done uh, in most hospitals. For Jews right. And Jews. And in fact, I had there was a doctor I worked with in New Zealand uh, who was an older man in the 70s. And he was talking to me one day. He was a doctor in North Africa during World War II. He said the number of circumcisions he had to do on guys to prevent infection under those conditions made him a true believer that circumcision was necessary. <laughs> right, right. For medical reasons. Yes, so definitely it's, uh, it's, it's common for medical reasons. For, for Jews, obviously, it's much more than that. It's a, um, you know, one of the, you find, I have found that the, the Jews who are very far from Jewish practice, but when it comes to the bris, they got to have, you know, the child has to have a bris, and it's very important to them. Carrie. Yes, thank you. Um, can, can you guys hear me? We hear you, loud and clear. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this part of this Torah portion is very meaningful to me because, um, you know, one of the great things about religion and Judaism in particular and halachic life in particular is that we get these um, moral lessons and reminders. And in this Parsha, we learn that if you have your own biases, you have to fight that and judge litigants fairly and listen to each case on its merits and we can extrapolate from that because it can't tell you every single circumstance so we're supposed to search in ourselves i believe and try to find if we have biases one way or another and then still apply the law fairly and correctly and justly so that's very meaningful to me so thank you for sharing that my pleasure thank you carrie that's beautiful beautifully said okay well that's a great way to end our class for today Great to see everybody, and we will look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. See you next time. Chachamim. <laughs>